Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Jones, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's Housing Wire Daily features an interview with Tom Hutchins, Angel Oak Mortgage Solutions Executive Vice President of Production. In this episode, Hutchins talks about the reigniting non-QM market, how new GSE guideline updates to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will increase supply for the non-QM sector, and what that means for the market at large. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. As a top 10 subservicer with a 98% customer satisfaction rate, TMS does business a different way, and it does it well. They deliver next-level service with next-level technology innovations, like Simi, their servicing portal that can help make a lender's job a breeze. So when you're ready to have the service put back into your subservicing, go to subservicing.themoneysource.com. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. Today, I'm joined with Tom Hutchins from Angel Oaks Mortgage Solutions. Thank you for joining us, Tom. Thanks, Alcena. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, listeners, today, Tom will be speaking to us about the non-QM market, which is reigniting following a pause in 2020 as liquidity dried up and bond investors ran for the hills. Tom will also address how new GSC guideline updates to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will increase supply for the non-QM sector and what that means for the market at large. Before we dive in, Tom, can you let us know more about you and your background in the housing finance sector? Oh, sure. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, I've been in the business for well over 20 years, got into it in the late 90s, uh, been primarily in the wholesale and correspondent space uh, with a focus in kind of what we're doing today, the non, non-agency space. Uh, I've been with Angel Oak Mortgage Solutions for almost eight years now, uh, as we were kind of one of the first ones to, to reintroduce this, this non-QM uh, space back to the market. Thank you for letting us know more about you. Um, it seems like you're experienced in this market, so it's awesome that we have you to discuss this topic today. I want to switch gears and focus on today's main event, the non-QM market. Tom, in 2020, the non-QM market went on a pause due to impacts caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, in 2021, the market is reheating, and many say it's experiencing a comeback. Has your company personally experienced an uptick in volume? Absolutely, Alcena. We've uh, you know it started really kind of back the latter half or late in 2020. Uh, we're seeing uh, continued growth in 2021, and you know really I would say we're just kind of back to to pre-COVID levels and, and pre-COVID um, expectations of where this market is headed. So yes, lo- lots of good things happening in the non-QM space. All right. So while we briefly mentioned the pandemic, and I want to focus on aspect of the pandemic that impacted housing, which is record low rates, which increased home buyer demand and drove a refinance boom. In 2021, as the refi boom begins to taper off and volume falls, how should brokers think about non-QM? You mentioned your business has seen an uptick in volume. So how does this correlate? Well, it's, yeah, it's a direct correlation to the refi boom tapering off. Uh, you know, most originators are not, um, busting at the seams like they were in 2020. And, and really, I think originators need to view non-QM as, as just another tool in their belt. And they really have to have all the tools in their belt because no one today can afford to miss on a loan, especially a loan that you know could be very easy to get done. But if you're not 
uh, aware of and, and somewhat educated on the non-QM products, you could let those deals just slip through your fingers and, and they're going to land at your competitor's uh, shop just down the street. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which brings me to my next question. In the non-QM space, we've seen investor cash flow and bank statement products dominate. Can you talk about how these products work and what type of customer they're best suited for? Sure. Uh, you know, the biggest product in the non-QM space has always been the bank statement loan. And that's really, that's for the self-employed borrower who, you know, many self-employed borrowers, first of all, we're seeing, you know, huge growth in that. It's just, it's really easy to become self-employed. Um, the, the market just continues to encourage those to open up their own businesses. Now, certainly 2020 had its challenges in certain industries, but uh, we're seeing that resurgence. But the bank statement loan is that self-employed borrower who has, a, you know, perhaps a lot of write-offs on their tax returns. And, and frankly, their tax returns don't really reflect their ability to repay a mortgage. And, and so what we do and, and what the, the non-QM industry does is in lieu of tax returns, we don't work with tax returns because you know, we don't believe that the tax code and someone's ability to pay a mortgage, that those were those were not built together. So we look at, at, at bank statements and come up with a borrower's cash flow. And that cash flow is what generates their cash that they use month in and month out to pay their bills, including their mortgage. So it's a really, you know, make sense kind of loan. We've been doing it for years. We've really perfected the process so that it's easy to originate. And and that's, that's to me, the key is that, you know, when you're doing a full doc self-employed loan, it's, it's pretty challenging and you really don't know the answer of whether or not that loan is going to work until it's gone all the way through the underwriting process. And that underwriter has determined what that borrower's income is. Whereas on a bank statement loan, again, I'm not trying to get too technical, but just so you kind of have an understanding is that we're going to make that determination up front. So a loan officer does not have to spend a lot of time on a deal if that loan doesn't have a chance of getting to the closing table. Investor cash flow. It's 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 a it's a it's a very easy loan to close. Uh, it's for that professional investor. They don't have to be a professional investor, but we we see a lot of those that you know, investors that own a lot of properties and and to document their income and full tax returns is, is pretty difficult. So this one's so simple. It, it really that's why we call it a cash flow because we're looking at the cash flow that this investment property uh, is anticipated to generate based on an appraisal. And as long as their their mortgage payment is at or below that, then they qualify for the loan. So, you know, really easy. There's there's not, you know, we're not diving into that investor's employment or sources of income. We're looking at their cash flow uh, of the property that they're purchasing or taking cash out of. And and that's what's going to drive their qualifications. All right. Now, I want, I want to switch gears and focus on some of the new regulations that have been embedded and what, what that means for these products or the non-QM space in general. Um, new GSC guideline updates to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. These updates say that no more than 7% of mortgages that lenders sell to Fannie or Freddie can be tied to second homes or investment properties. This could present an opportunity for non-agency lenders. What do you think brokers should know about these restrictions or opportunities and how does it impact what products they're using or, or how they're getting business done? Sure. No, I, I mean, I think that's one of the most significant things that's happened thus far in 2021 because... Uh, this is a new environment, and we're still at the very beginning stages of it. So, 
There's still not a lot of clarity on how this is going to be enforced and implemented by different lenders. But non-QM, a perfect example is that ICF, that investor cash flow loan. That, that is such an easy loan for somebody to close. And if agency is restricting uh, the amount of volume that you can originate for investors, then obviously you need to have other outlets. And, and non-QM fits that bill uh, very nicely. The, the other piece that you didn't mention, yes, there's restrictions, but they're also at the same time, they are tightening their guidelines on those products. So it's not only that fewer, you know, you can originate fewer, uh, few, a smaller percentage of non-owner and second homes, but fewer borrowers are going to even qualify for those in the first place. So I think it's, you know, it's a philosophical change of, from the agencies that, you know, their mandate has really been to expand home ownership, but, but should they offer government guaranteed uh, loans to investors and to those wanting to buy beach houses? And I, and I think you're seeing that being put into place and, and, you know, really who knows what's next. I, I'm not sure that it's, it's just going to be investment properties and, and um, second homes, but, you know, time will tell. Time will tell, which brings me to our last question today. Before we wrap, is there anything else you think our listeners need to know about the non-Q market, these restrictions or Angel Oak mortgage solutions in general? Well, I, you know, I, th- I think one thing is that um, non-QM and probably the biggest thing, non-QM is not, it's not as big a niche product as people have maybe thought about it. It's really, it's a needed product. You know, we have lots of origination partners that they have become, let's say, investor specialists, or they have become self-employed specialists, and it's a majority of their business. So, you know, I think a lot of times people put the non-QM in as well, if it doesn't qualify for an agency loan, then I think of non-QM. But you know, one example is on bank statement borrowers. We have a lot of originators that that will do a comparison of tax returns to bank statements to see truly what a self-employed borrower's uh, purchasing power is. And in almost all cases, the bank statements allow self-employed borrowers. It's it's a pretty easy path for them, and they might be able to buy. A bigger house, or you know, with home prices and everything that's happening, those are some pretty important factors. But the the biggest message is that non QM is here to stay. It's going to be a ten percent of the overall origination market uh, over the coming period of time. We you know we know it's going to happen. Don't know exactly when. And and so originators just need to understand it and and get with a lender like Angel Oak. You know, we have salespeople across the country that that can educate them and, and, you know, give them the confidence uh, to learn more about these products. Awesome. Well, Tom, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, join us back here tomorrow for more Housing Wire Daily. Thank you again, Tom. Thank you. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. 
Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.